Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the final in every other sport to my playoff final. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm really good. I feel like I've, I've not recorded with you for a long time, but I think it's only been like a week. It just yeah. feels weird. I know what you mean. It seems like ages since we actually recorded an actual podcast together. Because, of course, we had the fans' playoff preview last Sunday. If you haven't listened to that yet, then I highly recommend it. Very interesting getting the thoughts of two very nervous fans ahead of the <laughs> big day on Sunday. But me and you, Justin, we haven't had a good chit-chat about things for quite some time. Because it feels like the playoff semi-finals were a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. And they feel even longer when you're involved in them as a supporter but um yeah no I'm really really excited for for the weekend because I think this is one of the hardest playoff finals to call in a long time just as a general football fan this weekend is always my favorite of the whole oh, yeah. year because the Champions League final more often than not is on the same weekend um mm. and Usually we've got a bank holiday. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm just so upset about the bank holiday not being this weekend. Um, but we usually have a bank holiday as well, following That's the cup. Um, but we don't this weekend. Instead, we've got a three-day week, including a bank holiday Thursday, which... It's weird. I, it feels weird, but I'm not complaining about it, I've got to say. So roll on the next few days. But this is the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're going to have a look ahead to the playoff final on Sunday. Two experts of the game having a look ahead and giving our thoughts on everything just before the big day. And then we'll chat about some of the news that's happened in the past seven days or since whenever it was me and Justin last recorded and spoke <laughs> about the news. Uh, and then we'll finish off with a little game at the end. But before we get into the show, let me tell you, listener, about our friends at Fansbet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in the description of the podcast and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus of up to £200. Not bad at all, is it? Especially ahead of a big weekend of football. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site 18 plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out Fansbet Responsible Gambling Tools. Let's have a look ahead to the playoff final on Sunday then, Justin. Huddersfield v Nottingham Forest. Third v fourth in the Championship, which some may argue is the best way for the playoff final to shape up. But First off, how much are you looking forward to this game, Justin? No, I'm really excited. I know, I know, I'm quite a you know relaxed, monotone person, so my excitement doesn't always come across. This is my excited voice, um, but I, 
Um, but no, I, I I really am buzzing for it. As you say, this is this is this is two teams who are banging form as well. Neither team is is out of form. You usually have one or two teams that limp um, coming into the playoffs and then sort of get through the semi-finals, where both teams um, showed showed what they're capable of. And yeah, as I say, really excited. I really am because not only that, but it also showcases how good the championship is. You've got Forest who. Everyone will say they are sleeping giants in the championship. Then you've got Huddersfield who have um, spent nothing this season and and got to where they are on a, on a relatively modest budget. Um, and I think it just showcases really what the championship is about. You've got two parachute teams who have gone up automatically. Then you've got the, the blood and thunder of the real championship in the playoffs. Yeah. And the interesting thing headed into this for me is that both teams have been in great form across the course of the season, particularly in the final third of the season. But in the playoffs, I've seen a couple of moments where I thought, hmm, interesting. For Mm -hmm. example, Forrest in the second half of the second leg weren't great and in extra time, they really looked like they were struggling a bit. Whereas Huddersfield, you could make a fair argument that Luton were the better side over the two legs as well. Mm -hmm. So both have got their weaknesses, but both have been, without a doubt, the two strongest teams bar the two who went up. So that's one of the main reasons why I'm just looking forward to this contest so much, because it's so hard to call right now. Justin, who's going to be the key player for either side in this? You could start off with Huddersfield. Who's going to be key for them? The obvious one is Sorba Thomas because of his delivery. Um, I think the game's going to be tight. So you've got someone like Sorba Thomas with the quality he brings from set pieces. Not only set pieces, but his ability to to, to put the ball in the box in open play as well. That's going to be massive. Um, so I can't look past Sorba Thomas for that for that abilities. But actually, I, I'd lean towards Harry Toffolo. Um, and he's got to get a handle, because he's got to get a handle on Brennan Johnson and Jed Spence. If you keep them too quiet, I think I think you uh, I think you nullify Forrest. Um, so I, for Huddersfield, I'd go with, I'd go with uh, Harry Toffolo. I am edging more towards Lewis O'Brien in the Huddersfield midfield. Um, and I'm... I prefer to stay away from meaningless cliches of the game's going to be won in midfield. But I feel like this game may be won in midfield because you've got O'Brien, who's been, for my money, the best centre mid in the division this season. Mm. But Forrest's pivot, double pivot of Garner and Yates are going to be so key for them. So if O'Brien can get around the park, dominate the midfield, then Forrest will be struggling. Um, But having said that, it doesn't take much for the likes of Garner and Yates to really dominate the game themselves. Yeah. For you then, who's going to be key for Forrest this weekend? Um, I really do think it'll be Keenan Davis. And that's Keenan Davis, whether he starts or, come off the, uh, or comes off the bench. Um, I think with, with Surridge and Davis, you've got, you've got a 90-minute duo there. You've got whoever starts, they're going to run... Um, Huddersfield def- the Huddersfield defence ragged and they're going to absolutely batter them and tie them out um, and then that's you know it's almost passing the baton on to whoever comes on later on in the game but for me it's, it's going to be Keenan Davis because you saw how he changed the game against Sheffield United he gave Forrest physicality up front which Surridge is a different kind of player doesn't really bring that kind of physicality to Davis does but Davis can Davis can do everything that Surridge can do um but he's a more physical player. And I think that is something that's going to be huge in, uh, for Forrest, especially getting further up the pitch, with him being able to hold up the ball, hold off defenders, and get the likes of Zinkanagel, Garner, 
and Johnson playing um, playing up uh, playing higher in Huddersfield half. I may be going for the obvious answer here, but I'm going for Brandon Johnson just because I think if Forrest don't play well, then he's the kind of player who can spring something out of nowhere and just create a moment of pure magic that can really bail out Forrest. Do you see what I mean? Do you think he goes missing in big games? Because that's been the argument at times for Johnson. You go back to Bournemouth and Luton, their, their previous two defeats, and he was largely absent in both of those games. So I do have a question mark. second leg against Sheffield United, though. Yeah, he played very well in, in both of those games. But I just I, I lean towards those two big tactical wins, I think, from Nathan Jones and, and Scott Parker. And I feel like Carlos Corbran as well is very switched on. He will do a job. He will look to do a job on, on Brennan Johnson and Jed Spence. I think, obviously, if you're in Corbran's shoes, then you definitely want to try and nullify those two as much as possible because they are the two main offensive threats aren't they? And Johnson is the kind of player who does rely on service from other players as well as creating the service himself. Mm. So I, 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 that's why I think he is the key player because he can create that moment of magic, whether it True. is him creating it himself or someone else providing it for him. Um, and Corbin 1 million percent needs to try and get a leash on him as tight as possible. Um, looking ahead then, Justin, which team do you think would do better in the Premier League, depending on whichever one went up? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because with Huddersfield, I feel like they'll be much better equipped to go go into the Premier League this time around than they than they were last time because I feel like they, they'd learn from their mistakes. Yeah, really bad investment, really bad recruitment, um, and that ultimately put them in a position where they were on the brink of administration, as, as Dean Hoyle has, has gone on to say in the past um under phil hodgkinson um uh so yeah i i think they might be better equipped this time around but with with forest they've got good contacts throughout europe they've got the link up with olympiakos um so there's there's the opportunity there to go out and and get players that might be a little bit left field as well as i think steve cooper will play a brand of football that will suit a team coming up from the the championship into the premier league as well so there are arguments for both sides but i think forest are in a much better position with the players they have in their squad right now, then Huddersfield are. I think if Forrest went up, then they would be a really dangerous side in the Premier League. And when I say dangerous, I don't mean challenging for the top half. But I think out of the three teams who went up, if that includes Forrest, I'd say I, I fancy Forrest to do the best out of them. Just because I think they've got the best manager out of them. I think with Dane Murphy in charge of the recruitments, they've got someone there who is knowledgeable and reliable with his recruitment record so far. When I look at the other two, it's a bit hit and miss. So I think Forrest would do really well in the Premier League. And I completely agree with what you were just saying. Steve Cooper, I think, not only is he the best manager out of those three, but I think his style of football would also suit a side battling to stay up as well. Mm-hmm. So I think Forrest would do really well in the Premier League. How would Huddersfield do? Not too sure. I think they're a bit more restricted in terms of resources than any of the teams, well, Forest, Fulham or Bournemouth, um, for obvious reasons. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure how they do. I think um, we were talking to Brady at the weekend and he said he thinks Huddersfield will struggle. I struggle to disagree, quite frankly. Um, quickly then, Justin, give me a reason why you think Forest won't win on Sunday. Um... <laughs> Ooh, that's a really good question. A really difficult question to answer, and you you put me on the spot a little bit with that. Um, but if I was to say uh, a reason why they won't win, uh, I go back to that Bournemouth game where they 
where they struggled to live up to the occasion. They had a really good first half, and then Bournemouth. Bournemouth didn't. Bournemouth did not allow Forest to play their game at all. Um, and I feel like Huddersfield could replicate that. And as I've said with Huddersfield in the past, the longer the game stays nil-nil, the more it suits a team like Huddersfield, who look dangerous the longer games go on. Um, so I, I think that. Uh, I mean, it's it's really easy thing to say, but on on the big occasion, um, quote unquote, Forest might just come up short. But at the same time, they've done it against Arsenal. They've done it against Leicester this season. The FA Cup, big big occasions, big games. You could um, you could argue though that they were underdogs on those occasions. And uh, when it comes yeah. to the games like the Sheffield United game, for example, and the Bournemouth game, they were kind of on a level footing, weren't they? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, you'd you'd probably argue they were favourites going into those games as well, based on form going into the Bournemouth game and based on squad availability and form going into Sheffield United game as well. Um, so, yeah, I think them having to live up to the fact that they they won't be underdogs going into this. There's a lot of pressure on them. Every every single bit of media I've I've seen so far has almost been oozing over Forest. I just feel the narrative plays into a into a shock win um it's never a good sign i think i'm very superstitious so it's never a good sign i think if if um the media is on your side in terms of going up well since steve cooper's come in they've been brilliant in nine out of ten games that they've played haven't they but the one in that one in the one in that nine out of ten they have been quite poor and we have seen it against Bournemouth, as you mentioned, Sheffield United in that second leg. At times they looked really, really leggy. Whether that comes into play, I'm not too sure because they've had a few, well, a couple of weeks rest now um, mm-hmm. to get the players back in top form. We'll have to wait and see. What's the reason Huddersfield won't win then, Justin? Uh, the strength of the Forest squad. Um, this seems an easier one for me because I just look at Forest and I think, Crikey, they they are so good in every position, and you know how much I've 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 enjoyed Keenan Davis. I'd go as I'd go as far as to say if 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 Keenan Davis doesn't come in in January, I don't think Forest um, excel as much as they did in the second half of the season. So I think the a key reason as to why Huddersfield might not um, might not uh, win is is because of Forest as well. Forest create a lot of chances, and Huddersfield for his side who have kept a lot of clean sheets and been pretty tight defensively this season they do concede a lot of chances they've got that that uh that very good goalkeeper in Lee Nichols keeping keeping teams out so yeah I think I just think the strength of the Forest side and their ability to counter on the blink of in the blink of an eye on from nothing they create chances from nothing they're one of those teams that are so good at doing that and um, they can create a chance from absolutely nothing and could punish Huddersfield yeah there's a reason why Forest are the favourites with the bookies because I personally think if you get the two teams side by side, Forest just do have a better team. Um, and Huddersfield have just got to try and counter that as best as you can. And I suppose the best way to do that is ultimately shithousing it. Um, <laughs> so I think that's what Huddersfield would have to do. But if they don't manage to maintain it, then Forest will make the most of it and exploit them, won't they? Finally, Justin, big question. What's going to happen on Sunday? There's going to be a playoff final. I know that. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I, I honestly don't know. I, I feel like if I was to predict it, I can either see... Uh, it's going to be it's going to be 1-0 to either of these teams. I don't, I don't think we'll see a team being blown out of the water. I think Steve Cooper will want to keep it tight and Huddersfield naturally will want to keep it tight. So I think they'll either be a really early goal or a really late goal. Now... 
if it's a really early goal, I think it will go in Forest's favour. And I think they've got enough to see it out. If it's a really late goal, I think it's Huddersfield Town. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I've actually answered your question, but I, nope. I, that that is that is me sitting on the fence basically. But that is that is how I feel it will play out. I don't think we'll see more than one goal in the game. Um, and as I say, these two teams are very, very, very similar. They're very, very similar sides. But Forest probably edge it. But for me, I just. It's, it's impossible to call from my perspective. It really, really is. Earlier in the week, you actually surprised me by saying you think Forest are going to win, which I did was, say the reason I found that surprising was because yeah. you've been backing Huddersfield to the hill. Yeah, no, I, I did say that, but I think the more I think about it, the more I, I, I get tormented by it because I, I do think Huddersfield, like I said, the media just haven't given Huddersfield any credit at all. Um, and that bothers me a lot actually, because Huddersfield are a brilliant side. And I feel like that underdog status is really going to help them. Um, but at the same time, I just can't pass Forest, the strength of this Forest team. So that's why I'm so torn and so on the fence about it. And I am I cannot give you a straight answer. I'm edging, I say edging, I'm going very much towards a Forest win in this game, just because I think they are the better side. Um, and even... If it does go all the way and ends up going to penalties, we've seen what Bree Samet can do in a penalty shootout now, haven't we? So um, I'm going for a Forest win. I think they're the better side. I think they've got the better manager as well. I think they're ready to make the step up to the Premier League. Everything could change on the day. And I, I agree with you. If it does end up going the longer it stays nil-nil, Huddersfield could easily pull something out of the bag. But I am definitely siding with the bookies and most of the media as you put it and I'm going for a forest win in this game just in let's have a break after that we'll talk about some of the news from the championship in the past week back to the second tier podcast and now it is indeed time for this Yes, it's time for the news and we'll begin with two new clubs who'll be joining us in the Championship next season. The first is Burnley. They've been relegated from the Premier League. How do you see them doing next season, Justin? You've previously said you can see them finishing mid-table, I believe. Yeah, no, I did say that because of you know the, the, them sacking Dyche. It was a bit of a throwaway comment, but the more the time has, has sort of developed since then, and um, the, the fact that they are they've got to repay that big, big loan that they, the, the new owners took out to take over the club, and the fact that they are <laughs> going to be um, going to be releasing a huge, huge core of their squad. I, I can see them easily finishing 13th and, and building going into the season after. I think it's got to be one of those one of those tasks. I think expecting them to jump straight back up just because they're a parachute payment team coming down from the Premier League, I think is quite naive. They've got a lot of surgery to do to their team and obviously they've got to get a manager sorted as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if they throw money at it and go straight back up because that's how, that's how it works in the Championship when teams come down from the Premier League. Yeah, I'm expecting them to be in the promotion race just because of the players who still remain at the squad. You look at the mm. players they have got, the likes of, some of these may have gone, but the likes of Ben Mee, Vidra, um, Reghorst, etc, etc. 
they're going to be very good players at championship level and they will have the parachute money to ease the burden of that loan that you mentioned just a minute ago but also to bring in other players and keep the players around who have served him so well in the Premier League too the concern I've got is the manager situation of, of the latest report is that Vincent Company is being offered the job would I be more confident of Burnley going straight back up if they had Vincent Company or Sean Dyche Sean Dyche every single day of the week so what happens with the manager situation is going to be interesting and I think will decide a lot for me on a, how Burnley do next season. Because I think they've got the squad there and if they manage to maintain that squad and get a great manager in, maybe not Vincent Company. I'm not really too sure what to make of that appointment <laughs> at all. Um, then they can definitely bounce straight back up because they've got the resources to do it. And we've seen very, very recently that parachute payment teams have much more of an advantage over the rest of the teams in the division. The other team to be joining us next season is Sunderland, Justin, who finally got promoted from League One after seemingly coming close for the past decade. How do you think they'll do back in the Championship? Uh, I don't know, but it'll be fun nonetheless. I've been re-watching Sunderland until I die on Netflix, <laughs> and it remains some of the greatest storytelling um, in the world of football. Um, but uh, you know what? I, I am quite excited about Sunderland because I think under Alex Neil, they've got, I think, one of the best Championship managers coming into the league. I think Alex Neal is up there. Tactically, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, he just needs resources. He just needs resources to to really excel at championship level because, okay, all right, didn't really go according to plan uh, for Norwich when he came down with them from the Premier League. Um, and with Preston, did a really good job at getting Preston competitive, but they needed some investment to take him to that next level. Never came. It's sort of, went away a little bit um, and 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 yeah the fire went out there and then with Sunderland I think I don't know what the resources are like there with the um, the Dreyfus ownership but I think if they put a little bit of money in get the squad competitive you know I, I quite I usually see a mid-table finish going into the season after and building upon that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Alex Neal's a really good manager. I've been ringing the bell for him for quite some time for him to get a job at Championship level. And I was surprised when he dropped down to League One, but that's to Sunderland's benefit and they're fully reaping the rewards right now. And Sunderland's, they're not your average team coming up from League One, are they? They have got much more resources and much more of a stature than any other, t- any other side who's come up from League One. So they've got all the right boxes ticked my main concern is their recruitment because their recruitment has been very sketchy over the past few years, hasn't it? Hasn't, hasn't worked out uh, brilliantly for them. But they've got a, a squad here who's already um, really, really good. It was really, really good at League One level and I think at Championship level is good enough to stay up. If they add in the right areas, then they'll be just fine next season. I've got no doubt about that at all. Moving on to managers now. The Telegraph says QPR have made an official approach for Villa assistant manager Michael Beale. Um, what do you think of that one, Justin? Yeah, Michael Beale's <clears throat> he's been linked heavily. It feels like every sort of big up and coming job um, or job that where it entails sort of a club sort of on the cusp of the playoffs. It feels like Michael Beale's always always linked um, with that club, and um, you know I think. Obviously, it's difficult because he's not got any first-team experience, but he is incredibly highly rated. Um, and he's been linked with jobs since he was Gerard's assistant with Rangers. So, yes, it's a lot better than some of the names linked with QPR. <laughs> you know, you know, and you've got to look at 
Sol Campbell, for example, and the, the kickback from that on social media. So I'm interested by it. I'm intrigued. Um, but I think any manager that goes into QPR, again, there's, a, there's, there's quite a big job that needs to be done there. We're also no closer to finding out the new manager of Blackburn. I will just make this point, right? Blackburn and QPR have seemingly known for quite some time that Mowbray and Warburton aren't going to be at the club next season. So why neither club has a manager ready now? I have no idea. And their, Their respective hunts seem to be becoming a bit of a farce, Justin. Why... Why haven't they got a manager ready in place? Because surely they would have got some sort of signal from their previous managers that they're not going to be hanging around. So surely they would put out the feelers already, but they don't seem to be any nearer to to having a manager installed. So what's going on there? No idea. Liverpool have confirmed the signing of Fabio Carvalho from Fulham, something we knew was going to happen for a long time, so that's absolutely no surprise at all, is it? Moving on to releases and sticking with Fulham, they've released plenty of players, including the likes of Alfie Mawson, Michael Hector, Cyrus Christie, and most surprising of all, Jean-Michel Serri. And that one really surprised me, Justin. Yeah, it really surprised me as well. You messaged me uh, about it and, yeah, very taken aback by that because... Especially this season, I think he's been brilliant for for Fulham, and I thought he could have really done a good job for them in the Premier League um, next season. But you'd assume they have someone lined up to come in for him because I don't think there's anyone like him in the Fulham squad currently. I know Shalaber can play a similar role, but I don't think he's got the passing range or ability to retain the ball that Sarri does. So yeah, it's a big surprise, but I mean, I doubt he'll be in the Championship next season. Um, I think he'll get picked up by a top league club either in the Premier League or elsewhere around Europe, but some good some good players released by Fulham. Well, one of the reports during the rounds earlier this week was that Hull are interested in him, which I think would yeah. be an amazing move for them if they managed to get him in. But good luck to them. I will say, Fulham's transfer window doesn't seem to have got off to a very good start. This the, Whether they stayed up in the Premier League next season was going to depend a lot on the business they do this summer. But it's really been a bit of a disaster start obviously Carvalho going we knew that was going to happen mm-hmm. anyway but Seri going worrying because centre midfield for Fulham was one of those areas which I thought they're pretty well stocked in and now they've lost a midfielder as talented as him I'm not saying that he's irreplaceable but that's a bit of a blow in itself and then of course there was the farce over Manor Solomon from Shakhtar that deal seemed to be wrapped up but that doesn't seem to be happening anymore for whatever mm. reason so not been a great start for Fulham I think they've definitely got a lot of work to do to try and assemble a squad that can stay in the Premier League next season because without a doubt they have need, they have got to add in certain places Gary Cahill he's been let go by Bournemouth a player I think would do a great job for any championship side next season yeah, he's, he's. I don't think he's ever been blessed with pace either. So he's 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 got that on his side. I think it's just whether or not injuries will impact him. And I think he's. I think he said before that he, he wouldn't drop down um, below championship. But certainly, I think there are, there could be quite a few clubs, especially in the south. He seems to like it down there. That, uh, that that could be that could be in for him. But I, I'd be certain to be looking at him if I was, if I was a Swansea, for example, Cahill, Hector. Brimley's and Alfie Mawson that's your defence sorted if you uh, want to put some oh, money in honestly Justin there were some bloody good centre-halves who are available on a free so if your club's in the market 
then this is the time to go. Another one who can definitely do a job at championship level is Aidan Flint. He's leaving Cardiff. He's the latest out-of-contract player to announce that he'll be departing the Cardiff City Stadium. I feel like Cardiff's squad is in danger of going from extremely old to lacking experience in the space of a summer, Justin. I think I think it's a good thing. Um, they've got a lot of older, slow players who need replacing, um, and I think they will bring in experience. You've got to you've got to wait. I I think you've got to wait till sort of the end of June to really start to pick up some some free agents. But um, yeah, I think Cardiff are going in the right direction. I don't think they are regressing. But you are right; it is going from a really old squad to a relatively inexperienced one. Well, losing Flint, losing Smithies, losing Pack, Rawls, Volks, who I think their their contract situations are still up in the air. It's a lot of experienced players who have been at the club for quite some time. Sean Morrison as well. A lot of experience going out the door at that club and not much hanging around from the looks of it. Millwall have released Alex Pearce as well. He's another centre-half who could still possibly do a job at championship level. We'll leave contracts there for now because we'll be here all day if we went through every deal that's being negotiated. Plenty of clubs are still trying to sort out new contracts for players whose current deals are expiring and I think that deserves a podcast in its own. Maybe Justin will do a free agent Tinder again at some point in the near future. And finally, QPR's stadium name will be Loftus Road again next season. It's been the Kyant Prince Foundation Stadium for the past three years, but the club says it will continue to support the foundation in other ways from now on now ladies and gentlemen it's time for diddy or didn't he this is part of the show where i usually name for justin 10 players with various connections to the championship and he has to tell me whether they played for that club or not and they've got to have made a senior appearance for that club but instead this week i'm going to be answering diddy or didn't he so we're switching things around how the tables have turned um so justin uh sh- shall we go for the first one what have you got for me yeah, get ready for uh, an anxiety-inducing five minutes. Oh, the first that, one is... Justin, that, that's just a normal episode recording with you. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know what's coming. Anyway, first one is Nick Pope and Cardiff City. Uh, I reckon he did. I made that one up. He didn't. Great start. Go <laughs> see, it's, it's horrible. Uh, next one, Lloyd Doyle. Uh, oh, all I was going to say was Nick Pope... He, he was loaned around a lot, didn't he? he? He did a lot of jobs for different clubs, so that's why I just assumed he did. Well, he's not one of those keepers that got loaned around a lot. He wasn't. Yeah, he, he, yeah he's, he's a, he likes his place at home. Anyway, <laughs> Lloyd Doyley and Rotherham United. <laughs> this is a good one. Now, obviously, Watford <laughs> Stalwart. Stalwart? Stalwart? Stalwart. Um, Stalwart. 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 Not Stalwart. Stalwart. Um, all I can think of is him in a Rotherham uh, Watford shirt. But Rotherham did go for a spell of signing everyone, didn't they? I'm going to say no. He didn't. He made three appearances in 2016. <laughs> he was part of that cohort signed by Neil Warnock that kept yeah. Robin in the championship. Of course he was. Okay, next one. <laughs> Jordan Pickford and Burton Albion. Yes, he did. 12 appearances in 2013. Yeah, vaguely remember that happening. 
Mm. Back when Burton were in the championship, which always seems like a lifetime ago. It does. It does. Do you want the next one? Please. Richard Stearman in Coventry City. Oh, God. Richard Stearman's got one of those careers that, by and large, has completely passed me by. Play for Huddersfield, play for Fulham. Obviously, plays for Derby now. Came through at Leicester, neighbours of Coventry. I don't think he did. You're correct, he didn't. Mm, okay, two out of four. I'm, all right. I'm doing all right here, I'll take this. I'm I'm bad at being coached because I'm glad you're keeping the score because I have not been keeping yeah, up with I, it. I was thinking to myself after the first <laughs> one, it's just in taking score. Carry on. <laughs> the next one is Clint Hill and Nottingham Forest. Yes. You are correct. Five appearances on loan in 2011. Yeah, vaguely rings a bell. He's a very Nottingham Forest kind of player. Yeah. Did he, did he play for Billy Davis? I don't think he did. But he seems like one of those players who would have thrived into Billy Davis. It's worth saying they loaned players like it was nothing in the early 2010s as well. They they went for a lot of players. A lot of players. A lot of players. And that's before that 2016 onwards period where they signed everyone as well. Yep. Next one. Please, otherwise we haven't got a game to play, have we? That is true. That is true. Michael Tong and Barnsley. Yeah, he's from up that way. He is from up that way, and you are right. Ten appearances on loan in 2012. Yeah, I, 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 that's another one I vaguely remember. It's Sometimes I'll have a little alarm bell in the back of my mind saying, yeah, that that's correct. But otherwise, sometimes I'm just completely lost at sea with them. Brian Howard in Bristol City. Now... We interviewed Brian Howard for a second tier meets last year. We did. And I'm pretty sure he did. You would be correct. He made six appearances yes. in 2013. Researching this, it was a loan spell, yeah. Researching this, I put down Brian Howard in Bristol City randomly because wouldn't have thought. Then I double check, I was like, I'll double check mm. his career just in case. Lo and behold, six appearances in 2013. I think he played in Bulgaria as well, very oddly. Yeah, yeah, for, for Sofia, where Alan Pardew is now director of football. Fun fact. Of course he is. Yes, yes, yes. Next one is Connor Cody and Stoke City. So, he was at Huddersfield before Wolves. That doesn't seem to make any logical sense for me, Connor Cody playing there. I don't think he was one of those players who was loaned out a whole bunch. But I might be wrong. Don't think he played for Stoke. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, very certain of you. Clearly not played this game enough. But you are correct, he did not play for Stoke City. He did play for Sheffield United, though, for a season. Brilliant. Fantastic. What, what, what number are we on, Justin? That was number eight. That was number eight. I've got six out of eight, I think. You're doing well. Yeah. yeah. You're doing well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to listen back because I can't remember. Yeah, you yeah did. I, you did. I, I may have just added one by mistake, but otherwise I think I've got six out of eight. Carry on. No, you're doing well. Dexter Blackstock and Leeds United. God's sake, he's played for everyone. <laughs> um, I'm going to answer early and say no. I don't think he did play for Leeds. You said he's played for everyone. Apart from Leeds. <laughs> you would be incorrect. He made four, really? appearances, in t- four appearances in 2013. Completely passed me by. 2013, as recent as 2013, eh? Yeah, 
as recent as 2013. I think he he now does something with finance. I think. I think. Fair enough. Man's got to make a living. Yeah. Final one, does. please, Justin. Final one. This is a good one. Jesse Lingard. And Leicester City. Yes. Yeah. Million percent. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why are you one. so sure? I know that one. I, I can picture him in a Leicester shirt. This passed me by, but he made five appearances in 2013. Yeah, I I do remember that. I think he was on loan at Derby, Leicester, Birmingham. And maybe There's that's it, one. actually. Is There's there another, another one? one? I should have gone with that one. You made, you probably had his best loan spell at Brighton. Yes, yes, he was at Brighton. Yes, you're yeah. absolutely right. Completely forgot about that. It's weird to think that he, he played for so many clubs, and quite recently as well, considering... He's one of those players who I would assume is still like 25, but I think he's actually getting on a bit. I think he's like. He's 28, 29. Yeah, he's in his twilight. Well, I say his twilight. He's in the peak of his career. So that means he was at. He was on. He was as recent. In 2015, he was on loan at Derby. So he was 23. So that makes it pretty remarkable that he's managed to fit an England career and a Manchester United career in that time, isn't it? But there you go. It goes to show you that. Some players have just got it in them. And there we go. I managed to get 7 out of 10 there, which I think is pretty damn good for Diddy and didn't he? Sometimes you yeah. just got to go into your moment of zen, Justin, and just pluck one out. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. There is a, there is a trick to playing this game, and it's, it's not allowing the incorrect ones to get in your head because you made a bad start, but you recovered pretty yeah. quick. And as I say, it gets in your head quickly, and it really does ruin your day. I think you've just got to be—you've just got to be decisive, haven't you? You've just got to go for your gut instincts because otherwise you will overthink it and mm-hmm. think, "Nah." Um, but there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been our playoff preview plus a roundup of the news from the past few days in the championship. And you're next here from us after the championship season is completely over. How about that? So we'll be back again on Sunday to give you our reaction to the playoff final. We'll also have a chat about what it means for either team going in their respective directions, whether it's Forrest or Huddersfield in the Premier League or Forrest and Huddersfield sticking around in the Championship. We'll have a talk about that as well. So we look forward to seeing you again on Sunday. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.